You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market. And Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Union 0430 I got to tell you, this has been a, a year in the making. And, and I got to tell you, it's been a year in the making. And, and JJ, who I'm sure you're going to find out about, is, is what I call busier than a two-peckered dog. So um, just an amazingly busy individual. Um, and he car- managed to carve some time to hang out with us um, today. So um, JJ, thanks so much for, for coming on. We're, we're a little light tonight um, with regards to Mark and Phil not being on with us. Um, a little bit different of a time that we're doing, uh, doing the show just to accommodate JJ, but we're going to get through it and it's going to be an awesome show. So JJ from Lifetime Decoys, thanks for coming on. Dave's up in Concordia. You're welcome, Jeff Coates. That's just for you, brother. JJ, tell us where you're at, buddy. Uh, I'm down here in Houston, Texas. So I work uh, kind of all over the place. Uh, I like to say that I keep my stuff in a house in Houston, but otherwise I'm in the truck on the road pretty much like the entirety of the year. The longest span, I, I moved into this house in July. The longest span I've been in this house is four days at a time. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting. It's a lot of fun though. That's fun. nuts. Um, so just a quick intro for anybody that don't know JJ. So um, JJ is the director of, I got to make sure I get this right, director of business development for Lifetime Decoys. Um, Been involved in the waterfowl industry for a long, long time with some pretty big companies when you think about Sitka and Yeti and Rigum Wright. Um, He spends all, and and he really isn't joking when he's talking about all the time that he spends on the road just um, like that traveling salesman and just constantly knocking on doors and out with the outfitters and everything like this. So it's going to be a great show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as always, make sure that if you have any questions after you listen to the show, put them in the comments. Dave and I will fire them back off to JJ and we'll get you the answers that you're looking for. Um, you know what? It's I think JJ may be the first, correct me if I'm wrong, semi-pro athlete i know he's not pro athlete but he's semi-pro but you know he played college ball and and when i was when i was in the states training with the military like in canada you know when you introduce yourself in the military you say well you know i'm from here and i'm from here and i i did this and i did that in the states uh when i was in fort leonard wood the only people that were really given any attention were the, were the people that said yeah i played college ball i played <laughs> college ball and then they were like oh okay this guy's this guy's real deal he played college ball so uh hey <laughs> it's awesome it's awesome what wasn't maddie wilson pretty good at hockey i don't know am i am i thinking of the right guy mm, i don't know we but, had someone on they, that was like hockey i don't know whatever yeah i don't know anyways you know anyways, jj you JJ, mentioned uh texas and yep. the way that I kind of, so for those that don't know, like Jeff Coates <laughs> is a bit of a, a bit of a fanboy for us, or, or I guess we're his fans, but I kept seeing this Texas teal and I'm like, dude, I need an invite to that shit. Cause that looks awesome. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Oh, well, I know the lifetime guy. Do you want to talk to him? And yeah. that's how JJ and I got introduced and JJ, tell us what it's like hunting with the man, Jeff. Oh, it's awesome. He, yeah, I can't believe like he's he's got his phone out at all times. He's chronicling everything. He gives a perfect summary. He makes everybody. I think if you go and watch his stuff, you can see like what it feels like. He gives good little interviews, good little anecdotes. Uh, it's awesome. I don't think since I've been down there, I'm usually like I'm hosting and taking care of a million and 12 people. Um, I'm making sure everybody's getting to their blinds like we're hunting at my boss's property. So the last two years, we've had so many guests and stuff, Jeff and their crew, they've gone with other guides or outfitters like in the area. So I haven't got to hunt with them, but he comes and hangs out, uh, him and the rest of his crew, they come and hang out at, at my boss's uh, family property, I guess. 
uh, for the for the entirety of teal season. So they get all the drinking and skeet shooting and all that. They get all the fun stuff with us, and then they go kill birds elsewhere. But ends up working out for everybody, it seems. And and the meals that you guys put on, it, like you guys have professional chefs and stuff. It looks like, eh? Yeah. So when I came on two years ago, like for whatever reason, like events just really fire me up. And we did a lot of that stuff with the run and gun tour with Sitka and Yeti and Rigam, right? Um, but like food is the, the easiest way to a person's heart. It's the, it's the easiest way to make them feel like welcome and at home. So we have plenty of food and plenty of drink. Um, we had a guy out, his name is Bart Likes and I ran yeah. into him um, just middle of nowhere, Arkansas through a mutual friend of mine. What a, he's a guide for, for one of my favorite outfitters. And we met in Arkansas and this was, you know, right before Bart was, was about to start on a new venture. He's got a huge cook trailer. It's like 32 feet, um, completely like professional kitchen. Like if you go into this thing, you literally feel like you're in a five-star restaurant's kitchen. It is the most immaculate, beautiful thing you've ever seen. And so I met Bart and I got to tour his trailer. He'd only had it for like a week or two. And I was like, this guy's going to be something. So if y'all haven't met Bart or talked to Bart or anything, you should definitely have Bart on. Like his story is amazing. Um, but anyway. for, uh, yeah, I've been following him for a while. I was following him as when he was just sort of kind of, I, I don't want to say doing it for fun, but he wasn't yep. as serious as what he is now. Like now he's, yep. he's full on, right? Yeah, he's, he's serious. And so he had had a deal with an outfitter. Um, then he ran meals for like a, uh, a, a snow goose season. So really quick deal there. And then he's also, he's done some stuff um, for a, another big lodge, pretty, pretty famous operation, but I had seen Bart and at the time he was really under the radar. And I was like, this is the most interesting dude in the world. Like his story has to be told and he has to meet my friends. Like what my, what my friends, like our business context, whatever can do for this dude, like, you know, we can shoot him into the stratosphere. So I had him come down to Texas Teal and that's the whole premise of Texas Teal. It's we, we just want to get people together. We want people to know each other. Some folks might be competitors. Some people, you know, might be complementary in their brand or their product. Um, but we just want to get everybody together and, and show like, you know, we're here doing the same things. And the great thing about, and because we love it, but the great thing about Texas Teal is it's the first opportunity that people, at least in the States, have to go and shoot birds. And so these last two years with COVID, um, people weren't really able to go to Canada as easily. And so it was really easy. Like everybody wanted to come to Texas Teal. And now it's become a big enough thing where people are kind of clamoring for an invite. And now we're, we gotta be careful. We don't hurt feelings or exclude people or whatever, because you know, the weekends are growing, the event is growing. And we only have a certain amount of days, a certain amount of beds, all that. So it'll be tough, but um, I think all of our friends understand like, we're growing and we love them just the same, whether they get to come to this weekend every year or not. And, and that's kind of the beautiful thing about your Texas Teal is that you're not looking to grow. Like while the individual brands are growing, it's you're kind of trying to grow the whole sport of waterfowling. And that's kind of what really got me going with following all the guys that went to that Texas Teal. That was yep. especially Bart and his new little uh, side by side with the camp chef or whatever. Yeah. Oh, you it. saw that? He just dropped that. Like he sent me a picture of it a week or two ago and then he put it on social media this week. I was yep. for him. But yeah, I mean, even that, that's a perfect example. Um, he met Garrett Walker, the owner of Quack Rack um, up at Texas Teal. Quack Rack and Lifetime have been super tight since the beginning um that's actually i met garrett walker the owner of quack rack um on a on a hunt when i was on the running gun tour and he actually called the guys at lifetime and he was like hey you got to meet this guy he's from texas he went to a&m the founders of lifetime are both aggies um and so it's like you got to meet him but anyway yeah bart got to meet the um the quack rack dudes there um he got to meet sloan brown uh, works for Yeti. So he's got a Yeti on the back of that deal. Um, and then TJ Kimbrell, the guy who hooked him up with his new side-by-side, -side, um, he's one of Garrett's big clients. So that Texas Teal, like 
it's amazing how everybody's networks kind of intertwine and a lot of the relationships you're seeing now um, that are blossoming, like they started the very first time was down in Texas. So it's cool. Like we get to pat ourselves on the back a little bit and look and say like what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish is working. Yeah. We, so, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, we, go ahead. I, I talked to, I talked to Jeff Coates um, fairly often. Um, and that was one thing I remember maybe a year ago, that was one thing that he was really talking about then was, listen, I, why can't we all um, promote one another, even though we're all in the same industry, we're all, you know, trying, we're, we're all really trying to get the same piece of the pie. Um, mm -hmm. But why can't, why can't we promote one another? And I was like, I, I think it's a brilliant idea, uh, yeah. says the little guy up in Canada, right? But, sure. um, but it just goes to show the people that you're bringing in, like you got quack rack coming in, you got lifetime decoys, and then the whole hockey sock full of other people that's all jumping on board of this Texas deal. And, and like everything else, right? Like once something becomes big, well, then all the people start knocking on the doors and For stuff. Sure. And that, that puts you guys at such an amazing uh, position. And, and I think most people get it. Like if, if, you were to say, well, listen, we got to bring these guys in this year or whatever. Um, yeah. It is what it is, right? It, it's a networking uh, weekend where people get together, um, have some fun, eat well, have some drinks and shoot some birds. And, and yeah. so you guys are in a great position to, you know, really pick who, who you want to align with. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, like, the last thing at the end of the day that anybody cares about really is the birds. Like it's wild. People are traveling hours and hours, spending tons of money to get there. And the thing that everybody leaves with a smile on their face is regardless of how many birds they killed or, you know, we, we've been known to have some guys sleep in to stay up a little too late and just not make, not make the call. But those guys are just as happy. They may be feeling a little queasy early in the morning, but those yeah. guys are just as happy as everybody else, whether they kill birds or not. So that's just what's so cool about it. Like at the end of the day, everybody on this weekend specific, specifically, um, you know, these are guys that are hunting almost every day of the season or, you know, if, if they're a brand guy, they might not get to get out as much, but um, they get to hunt as much as they want. So it's a refreshing, you know, situation for them to be able to go and spend time with, you know, buddies who are doing the same things that they're doing and they may not have ever met before. So yeah, Texas Teal, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that, that I kind of get to head that up. That was, that's probably my favorite part of my, my job, those three weeks in September. So we'd be pretty stupid not to have a discussion about the actual lifetime decoys product when yep. JJ's on, like, it's great talking about all that, but the main reason we have you on is because these are by far my favorite decoys right now. Um, so for those that don't know, probably didn't oh, hear that. But... Nice. So they have a full product line. They've got mallards. They've got, um, the mallards with the uh, flocked heads yep. they've got pintail they've got blue wing green wing teal they now have an early season teal package with just the hens in it they have yep. a goose set they yep. might be coming out with something new but these yep. things are great uh, so before i give the spiel why do you like them what what's special so, about them? um anyone that knows i hunt out of a kayak um most of the time it's out of a kayak and when I'm hunting out of that kayak and I have my decoys in that boat, I don't want the weight of those decoys to affect me at all. I'm a big boy. And I know that I, I could lose a bit of weight and probably help a bit Same. more than I'm right. I'm but, right there with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? But like these decoys are like what 11 ounces with no weights in them. Yeah. They have just, the dual yeah, keel. Just depends on the species. Yeah. It, it depends on the species. Right. But so they're super lightweight. I can take them out. Um, the other big thing I do is I take a lot of young kids out on their first hunts. I do a lot of youth, um, first hunts with youth. Nice. And if I take out a plastic decoy, I won't say any brands or anything, but when I take out a plastic decoy, if they shoot it, it's like, well, <laughs> guess I'm buying a new decoy, right? But these <laughs> things, they're made out of Crocs 
and the croc material i guess yeah. i should say so yeah, exactly. when they hit it it's not as you know and i found that the first season that i took kids out um i kid one of the kids shot a plastic decoy and i thought it was hilarious but they the kid felt pretty upset about it yeah and this way with these it's like they can shoot and they don't have to worry about the decoys. It's it's just another thing that we don't have to worry about. So those are kind of some of my reasons. Another thing I like about it is the fact that I don't have to spend extra money on a set of field ducks, if that makes sense. For those that don't know, like they have, um, so this is their widgeon, but they have the dual keel. And you can actually just, it's just set them right on the ground and you've got your field flock. So it, that's another thing i like to kind of dual purpose everything that i can right so yeah so anyway that's an interesting piece not a lot of people are doing um and i don't i don't hunt fields a ton we're usually over water just because we're we're making floaters right now um but it's an interesting thing like not a lot of people are doing that yet but i think it's starting to catch on a little bit here and there so yeah and and that's you know anyone that hunts with the normal single keel um we posted a few times about like you can go to the dollar store and pick up one of those paper towel racks fold it in half and then slide your keel on there yep well then that's just more stuff like you have to carry those racks and have another bag for that and yeah pain in the this butt. yeah i have my two dozen decoys for this and i don't even have to take my rigging off you just they're, they're hollow on the inside um so they're hollow on the inside so all you got to do is just stuff your weight and your in your rigs in there which you also make some pretty excellent weight and rigs right <laughs> that's where that's where lifetime got its start for sure so we'd be yeah. remiss not to not to mention that that's like that's where lifetime came about is making the coated yeah. cable rig no memory and, and all that but yes you did you did an amazing job we should hire you i should bring you on the road with me. that's like do it do it get run down <laughs> So I wanted, so, so that's great. Um, and, and I, so I've heard this story from Dave or this steal <laughs> from Dave yeah. many, many times. Um, I hunt out of a big XL boat and a mud buddy and, and the oh, whole nice. bit. So, so um, Dave's edited, edited a new canoe and, and he, I I've heard about lifetime decoys so much from Dave. So, yep. so it's awesome. Uh, the thing that, and, what I really love is the fact that, and we, we sort of alluded to it before we hit the record button, JJ, but um, there's been for so long, there hasn't been any innovation to the duck decoy. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we've talked about it on this show a number of times, like what's going to be the next big thing? Like what's going to, what's going to be the thing where, where the hunters go when they say, I, I got to get it. Like, the last thing I can remember was, was when Mojo and Lucky Duck come out with spinners. Um, everybody needed to have them. But now you guys have innovated. So 2019, I think. Um, mm -hmm. 2019, um, you guys came out with this decoy. And it is a game changer because it is so light. And listen, not everybody um, is, is driving around in a boat and, and, and don't have to worry about load carriage. And now you guys come in and totally change the game and, and guys like Dave and, and even me, like I've hunted over them, but um, you've totally changed the game when it, when it comes to weight, weight management and, and load carriage. It's yep. really impressive. For sure. Well, thank you. I think, you know, we're really the decoy came about almost by accident. What you mentioned earlier, they're made out of Crocs. Like, the original idea for the decoy came about as somebody just jumped in the water and that pair of Crocs slipped off their foot and it floated up to the top. And our founder, Peter thought, Hmm, that's interesting. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't anybody have ever, ever made a decoy out of that? So he had already started with the rigging in 2014. So they were kind of, kind of already in the business in the waterfowl business. Um, but yeah, probably my favorite aspect about them is how light they are. Um, I do a lot of public land stuff, a lot of walking stuff. And then also, you know, we're in the boat, we're racing, we're trying to get there as quick as we possibly can. And that load matters, of course, like ounces and pounds matter. 
uh, ounces really matter when you're having to walk miles and miles like we did in Arkansas at the beginning of this season just to find uh, just to find some water. Um, so it just depends on the species, but uh, we're between you know five and a half to seven and a half pounds lighter per dozen on all of our duck species. Like that's an incredible amount. Um, you can add an additional dozen decoys to your back um, on your pack and like you can bring two or three dozen decoys, uh, whereas a guy might only have wanted to carry, you know, a dozen at one point. So that's, that's what I like about them the most. And then because they're light, when you throw them out on the water, you're going to get a ton of movement in a low wind situation or in a high wind situation, those things are just going to dance. And I mean, you've got movement that looks almost real. So um, that's that's the great part about them being foam and being light. Um, the other part too is, you know, when a decoy gets cold and we're talking about the boat or the kayak, uh, I've got buddies who are stepping on the decoys, sitting on the decoys. Like I don't have a seat in my boat. I've got an Excel with a, with a mud buddy on the back and we don't have seats or boxes or bins or anything. Like people just ride on the decoys. They lay on the decoys. I got a, we got a good picture of my dad this year. We had a pretty long ride home and uh my dad like fell asleep on the decoys so <laughs> they're just there it's a nice bed on the, on the front there um but yeah it's it, what i like to say when i'm talking to somebody to explain it is you can run over them you can step on them shoot them um or cut them up into eight pieces and throw those eight pieces in the water and those eight pieces are going to float because the material they're made of inherently floats and i think that allows somebody to kind of grasp and conceptualize like what it is that we're talking about here. And you touched on it when you talked about the movement that you get out of these, like everyone's like, Oh, we got to have movement on the water and, and jerk rigs, which is another thing you guys do really well. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't understand. Like I, I had a video from two years ago in 2020 when I, we were hunting in a big group and I brought two dozen lifetimes and they were just spread out in the mixture of this. There was no wind and just from that little bit of breeze and a little bit of current that was going on on the lake that day, you could, I had a video and I posted it on my Instagram so you can go back and find it, but you can just yeah, see I might like have to go find it. A few little birds <laughs> here and there are just like floating and, and moving. And then you see a whole bunch that are stationary, but it just created enough movement that we actually had a great hunt out of it. And yeah. that movement is a pretty big key that people need to start looking at. Yep, absolutely. So the one thing that people do talk about that's tough with them is it's not like those weighted keels unless you keep the weights in it um, it's not like the weighted keels where you can throw them out and they'll they'll sail right yep. but as soon as you have them up it's almost like that hollow core almost vacuum seals them into the water so you just have to kind of place them if you don't have the weights in the bottom um yeah unless I, you know a trick <laughs> so uh i do know a trick to get them all like to lay out correctly, even if you're not throwing with the weights. But first, I would probably try to explain when you want to use the weights and when you don't. Uh, from my personal experience and preference is I don't like to run weights on the decoys hardly ever. I like more movement on the water. Um, and usually I'm hunting in places where I'm able to go out and flip the decoys over. We're probably going to adjust the spread anyway. Like I think there's very few guys who throw their decoys out and they're like, yes, I think those are hundred percent perfect the way I threw them out. Like it seems that somebody's always going to go get wet and get in their waders and uh, they're going to go make some adjustments. So for me, the few decoys that don't flip over on their own when you're running them without the weights, um, I think that's an okay thing. Uh, the time that you would want to run your decoys with weights is if you were in, you know, really heavy current, uh, maybe hunting on the coast somewhere. Uh, we had a hunt this year, coldest hunt I've been on, negative uh, 17 degree wind chill, really cold. Uh, we were in, um, we were in North Dakota, but the, the wind was blowing really hard on the river. Uh, and the first time that we noticed that the decoys were flipping over uh, was somewhere between 23 and 27 miles an hour. At 23 miles an hour, everything was still riding properly. And then about an hour later, we noticed there were a few decoys that had flipped over and we looked and it was 27 miles an hour at that point. So somewhere between 23 and 27 miles an hour uh, is when you definitely need to be, need to be running the weights. 
Um, but if if your listeners or you or anybody's looking for a trick, um, I can grab a grab a decoy. So um, these things obviously they're hollow. If you were to just throw your decoy out and it doesn't have the weight, sometimes it can land like this on the side, whatever. When you've got the keel weights in it, they'll automatically flip over. But what you'll end up doing if you want to move really quickly and you want everything to, to land properly is you'll grab your decoy and sling it like low to the water sideways and it'll end up hitting the water and it'll end up spinning itself. And most of the time it'll end up landing correctly. Whereas if you throw your decoy out, like you typically would just throwing it up into the air, it can land straight down one way or the other. But if you kind of throw it like you're skipping a rock, almost the decoy will spin and turn and it'll, it's weird. It's actually a buddy of mine, uh, my roommate, he plays baseball, uh, uh, professionally so he doesn't live here anymore he's at spring training now but he was like hey he was like this is how you do that and I was like wow you're right 100% so John Doxakis he's the one who showed me how to throw my decoys properly have you ever had anybody um, so for those that don't know to take the weights in and out there's just a, a little bolt system here on the side with the weight yep. have you ever had anyone show you using the bolt with their Texas rig on that so that it's a sideways mount um, somebody, I've had people ask if they could or should do that. I've never seen it. I would probably discourage people from doing that just because our stainless steel eye bolt and washer design, uh, we tested it a bunch of different ways. Um, but this looks like the strongest. I think, uh, we did some pretty rudimentary tests in the warehouse when we were trying to figure out the best way to, to mount these things. And, uh, our first failure was at 165 pounds. We just kept adding a rig, a rig, a rig onto these until they broke. And our first failure, I think we did like a dozen decoys with this design. Our first failure was 165 pounds. And uh, we got, I think we got to like 204 or 205 for a couple of them. So uh, that's the best way to connect them. Uh, so I would say probably use those stainless steel eye bolts and washers, but if somebody wanted to do them to the keels, I'm sure, I'm sure you could. I'm sure it's possible. Is the I tell me why somebody would want to do that? No, I. Someone came up with the idea a couple of weeks ago. Like if you attach to where that bolt was, that it would actually right. make itself writing somehow. And I was, I. That's interesting. I was just asking if you'd ever heard that or seen that. Yeah. I don't do it because that actually that there might be some validity there. Um, the other, the other part about having a decoy when it doesn't have its weights installed to have itself right, uh, is the longer the rig, the more unlikely that decoy is to self right. Right. Um, so if you, if you think about it, you throw a, uh, a decoy out there with a two and a half foot rig on it, the weight is more likely to get taut in that short amount of time where it's in the air and that weight will kind of tug the decoy down. Whereas if you're throwing a four foot or a six foot rig, it's less likely to get tight and tug the decoy down. So um, those are probably some nitty gritty details that nobody cares about, but uh, important but in terms of experience. Before we move on to uh, talking about your rigging setups, when are we going to expect divers to come around, huh? So divers are coming this year. I'm super excited about it. It's a world that we haven't ever got to play in before. Um, you know, redheads on the texas coast they're a big deal here that's been my very limited experience diver hunting um so i'm going to be leaning on jeff Coates. we've we've been talking to jeff for a couple years as we've gone through this process of figuring out what is this species lineup going to end up looking like um but yeah we'll we'll be releasing a few diver species this year um we're just so excited for that because like you talked about earlier you know if you water swat a decoy and you're diver hunting, like you're going to lose those decoys for sure. hundred percent, unless you're doing a foam or a wood or something like that. You just hunting with a plastic decoy is not sustainable when you're diver hunting, but now we've got these decoys that are so much lighter and they can take, you know, ostensibly infinite shots. Like it just depends on how bad and rough you want your decoys to look, but 
they'll they'll take shots for as long as you as long as you want to run them. JJ, I, I did want to ask about the divers. So in my experience with the divers, so I'll hunt, um, you know, I call them ponds or like small bodies of water. Um, but when I when I get out onto the bigger water chasing divers, um, it's usually a lot more windier. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? A lot more. Is that good English? I'm from yep. Newfoundland. So, yep. um, yeah. um, so is there, is there any difference to your, your weight and your keel system for the divers just to handle that bigger chop of water and, and, uh, and the more yep. wind or, or so is it all working out? Really good question. So we've decided, uh, to install all of our weights in the divers from the factory, we made the decision to not install the weights in all of the other decoys because we really want to encourage folks to run them without the weights. Um, but in our divers with a guy that's more than likely going to be on the coast with heavy wind dealing mm -hmm. with weights or chop or something, we figured we'll make it easy, especially if a guy's going to be running 10 or 15 dozen decoys. You don't want a guy opening 20 to 30 boxes of decoys and having to screw weights into all of them. So we're going to do that um, on the manufacturing side for those folks. Cool. We've also considered potentially increasing the size of the weight in the divers. You know, we're running a fine line of how light do you want to go versus, you know, a decoy is rendered useless if it's just going to flip over. So we want to make sure that we tow that fine line. Um, we haven't finished our experiments and, and, figuring out like exactly how heavy are we going to need to go. Um, but that's something we're looking into. We've got a couple different weight options we're going to, we're going to play with. What about coots? Are you going to bring up coots? Tell me why we should make coots. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think you need to, but uh, I, I'm part of a kayak duck hunting group. Yep. And I just asked, I said, Hey, any questions? Let me know so I can talk about it. Yep. And someone replied, are they coming out with coot decoys? So yeah. I figured, you know what? I'll get it out there. I'll ask just for the fan, but. <laughs> I, I really want a coot decoy. It's probably the bane of my boss's existence. Me asking about a coot decoy and asking for a coot decoy in Texas, you know, especially on the Texas coast, it's like you really ought to have some. Um, and in a lot of places, like I had a retailer He's been asking about coots ever since I came on board. And he said, what does it take to get a coot made? And I was like, I don't know, like probably a container. And he goes, okay, well, uh, tell me how many boxes are in a container. And he seems interested. I brought it to the bosses. Our manufacturing capability is, is at its max capacity right now. Um, but we're growing every day. Our manufacturers are growing every day. So I, I don't think that a coot is too, too far off. I I don't know. My bosses are going to get final say, but I'd love to have one. I think it's a fairly easy layup if you think about it. It's just, yeah. it's a black piece of EVA and we've got to make a little bit of paint change one way or the other. Um, and they're relatively small. So I don't know. I'd love, I'd love to make the addition. As long as it's you don't confidence. have to make those. Uh, yeah. As long as you don't have to make those fucking creepy legs that, that those feet that you'll <laughs> be all right. Yeah, that, we're gonna that, that's the <laughs> yeah, that's the engineering feat you got to get over right there. Let's try yep. and make those friggin' feet. So one of the other products that you guys have that I absolutely love is the uh, the jerk rig system. Mm. Um, and it's a bit different for those that don't know. So this guy came so prepared. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> so he, sleep, he sleeps with those things, man. I'm telling you. I got to get it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Married man. I hear you, yeah. lads. So the jerk rig system is a bit different than the uh, normal jerk rigs. And normally the jerk rig has right attached to it the, the points that you can clip your decoys to. Yep. You guys came out with the innovation that it's almost like a long line where you clip your decoy itself. Has like a little mini long line clip. Yep. And you just clip that anywhere. So you can position, you could have three duck butts close together. You could have them spread apart as far as you want. You can kind of, and where did that thought come from? So I don't know where the jerk rig originated. Um, 
That's one of the only questions I don't think I've ever gotten and I haven't ever asked. Uh, the Jerkerg was the only thing from Lifetime that I was using before, uh, before I joined the company. Um, I was using just whatever rigs and the, and the decoy hadn't come out yet. Um, but I've always said like that the jerk rig might be our best product. And so we've made a, an addition, a subtraction, a change here and there every year. And I think now we finally have the perfect jerk rig. So, um, you actually showed one that's a little bit different, uh, from what we're going to be offering, you know, moving forward, you showed, uh, your line has only a single crimp on it. Um, yep. And what I noticed when I was using it, especially with our decoys, because they're hollow. So that's the swivel. If you pull a little yeah. bit further. Um, yeah. Back before it, there's just a single. Yeah. So what we ended up doing is putting a second clip, a second crimp there uh, so that you could clip the decoy right in between those two. What I was finding is if I was, you know, if I was really working it, uh, the decoy was going to end up sliding backwards or forwards on that line. And so I really wanted that decoy to stay stationary. That way, when I gave it even just a little bit of a tug, um, it was going to, it was going to move like immediately. So we made that change and then we decreased the size of the weight. I don't know what weight you might have on that. Uh, but it was, it was just way too heavy a weight for me. It was way too big. Um, great for guys who are hunting in heavy current or something that maybe you know maybe they're in the sand it's not something that can can dig in very well but uh from my perspective i think a smaller weight um it's just got those grappling hooks on it uh i think it works better especially for the hiking guy which is what our brand is is all about so those are the changes we've made and now i would say there's there's nothing I want to change about the jerk rig. And I think that's a, that's a weird place to find yourself as a brand is to say like, this product is almost perfect, but um, I have ragged my bosses for two years about every little tweak and every little change to the jerk rig. And they finally relented. They've given me everything <laughs> I've asked for. Uh, and so I'm pretty happy with it. So do you like normally with a jerk rig setup, because those clips are built right onto the jerk rig you kind of have a jerk rig with decoys permanently attached to it right. um do you ever find guys so what i do i have a few duck butts that just have the jerk rig set up because but i also have some decoys where i have my texas rig on the one side and on the other side i'll have this little clip and that way if it's a day that if there's a lot of wind and i'm going to see a lot of motion from all my decoys anyway i won't bring the jerk rig but i can still bring all of my decoys Yep. Is that something that you find people doing? Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to go about it. For me, being a decoy salesman, I kind of have unlimited decoys. And so I do have like six or 12 uh, dedicated jerk rig decoys. Uh, but I also run those jerk rig drops on a couple sets of my, my decoys, just standard in case I left those six decoys, you know, back on the boat or we forgot them or something happens, whatever. I've got a backup plan. Uh, but I think for 99% of hunters, that's probably what you're going to see folks doing. They're just going to have those, those little jerk rig drops hanging from the backs or fronts of their decoys. Um, they don't get in the way. They don't get tangled. We shorten those up. That was another change that we made last year. Um, so now they, they're not, they're pretty unencumbering. Um, yeah. That's, that's the right way to run them, I would say. And, and I find it's good that when you're out in the field, if, if you find that the wind conditions change and all of a sudden you got to run your jerk rig, you can have that little jerk rig set up packed and then pick up the decoys that you have the, the little clip on and set it up within minutes. So you kind of have that versatility a little bit too, right? Absolutely. That's, that's my thing. Like everybody I think is obsessed with the word system, like build your system. Um, that, that to me, like being plug and play and being able to make a change, like, at the drop of a hat is really important. And so having something that you can add or subtract to your spread, like immediately is, is awesome. See my versatility comes from I'm cheap, and, <laughs> right? Like that, that works too. You know, like it, it's just, this is, I guess, I don't even want to say that I'm, I shouldn't say that I'm cheap. I, I just like, you know what, if I can dual purpose something, I'm always going to dual purpose it. And in this case, I don't have to have those 
decoys that are tied up with a with a jerk rig all the time and yep. so it's just versatility is is exactly what it is yep absolutely yep dave and, and then and jj i wanted i wanted to give you a chance here dave and and i'll ask you to do it and then jj you can step in and and correct dave or add anything that you want to say to it so one of the one of my pet peeves is rigging um and now i've never used um lifetime rigging so you i will be some. yeah so i'm gonna so i'm gonna place an order so once we get off here i'm placing an order um tonight and i'm gonna because i really wanted to because it, it really is one of my pet peeves i've yet to find rigging that i'm happy with well look um, at the rigs that are hanging to the left or i guess to your right right behind you like those are freaking, they're all jumbled they got memory yeah. Yeah, and and so and that is um, that is a a, a big brand. Um, that's a big brand's uh, rigging um, that I that I purchased. And and you know what they did they did what they're supposed to do for a season. Um, but again, I'm not in the business just like Dave. I'm not in the business of every year. And I know that's a from a business standpoint, that's not what you want. You want customers continually coming back, but mm. I want something that's that's going to work and, and I'm going to be happy with it. So I am going to be making a purchase of some some rigging. But Dave, so, hear it from you and then JJ, you chime in. On, on the rigging, <laughs> what's, what's so special about the rigging? Other than I know that it's steel wire rope, right? Yeah, yep. so JJ already talked about it. There's zero memory and... So what I do is when I'm done hunting for the day, I'll actually, I don't have enough here to show you, but I'll actually, they're all on your, on your clip yeah. and then I'll grab them all and I'll come down. And then about three quarters of the way down, I'll put a knot in them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like and then a lot I can of people throw them, do. Yeah. Just like a lot of people, I'll throw them in the boat. If I don't use them again that season, I don't have to worry about that knot causing an issue with mm -hmm. the memory right i can unknot it and um i actually just noticed that uh this rig that's been sitting since the end of our season um it's actually got a knot in it from the last time we used it and i'll bet you i can take that out and it won't have right yeah. um there, the may other be, thing there may be like a wave or a little bend to it but it straightens out immediately compared to yeah, yeah. I've got this guy's called me three times. I may have to send a text message. He's one of my photographers. Yeah, do yeah, it. No problem. No problem. Yeah, do it. Buddy. I can keep talking. No, so, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll we'll send him a text. Yeah, yeah no you you so you sorry. go for it. So Dave, uh, so while JJ is is doing that, so so with regards to the, so I remember someone saying to me one time, and I know I know Lifetime has um, colored uh, has the colored rigs right and I, yep. and i've heard like i'll give it to I'm duck hunters to i'm interested to hear the thought on the colored rig yeah so because duck hunters are they're pretty eccentric people right and and some of the things that fellows complain about just absolutely blows my friggin' mind sometimes now um all i've ever used for rigging is is that black mono not the monofilament but that black plastic shit right um now, the one that you're using, Dave, is red. Nope, it's brown. Oh, it's brown? Okay. It, that's My camera is just a piece of shit. If someone wants okay. to sponsor me with a new camera. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nice, there nice are plug. the different colors. There are okay. the different colors. So yep. I've got to ask you, Dave, as, as a person that's actually used them, has the, deco has the rigging flared any birds? Because I've heard fellas have this friggin' argument that the different color of rigging actually flares birds and i call bullshit on it so i would be willing to test it but jj <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong does anyone in canada sell the colored ones yet retail doesn't uh okay we yeah, can't retail, get them from here yet re retail doesn't um okay. but i we can definitely we can definitely send you some and and give it a test. Okay, I'm so sorry. This is annoying. No, this buddy, you do shooting, it. He's shooting a new uh, box photo for a new species, and it's our photographer. And he's like, "I'm out here. Like, yeah, I already do I it. drew him. I drew him how it needed to look." So, 
I love this is actually this is actually pretty awesome that you're doing this while the show is going on because it just goes to show just how busy you are. It's awesome. I love it. Well, I put I put my phone on do not disturb. Like I haven't answered anybody else, but this guy's called me three times. I knew it was something important. Um, So anyway, whatever you need to do. I would say uh, it is. I run only colored rigs. I bring brown rigs out when I've got a photographer that's trying to shoot something really specific because like I just mentioned, retail only carries brown rigs. So for any of our content that's going to go to retailers, it's got to be on brown rigs. But I hunt with only colored rigs for a lot of reasons. But one of the main ones is to dispel the rumor or the thought that like this, you know, flares birds. Like um, (laughs) I think, I think a lot of people would say like, Texas hunting is really tough. Like once yeah. the birds get down here, they're very shot at. seen everything, right? I've um, probably missed every single bird that's gone down that way. Just I don't hit many. <laughs> so so uh, I've got I've got a group of buddies and I. I don't get to fun hunt very often, but and I I inevitably end up bringing the camera or we record it or somehow. Like the fun hunt ends up being a little bit of work, but this is the one fun hunt a year that I give myself. And it's down on the Texas coast. Um, We're hunting in gin clear water, uh, depending on how the tides are. It's, you know, two to three inches deep or six inches deep. Um, Absolutely no waves. We're kind of back. We're protected. Um, It's down in Rockport, Texas. And so these birds, they are tough to work. They are tough to fool. They've been shot out the entire year. Um, and that's the one time that I can definitively say like, this does not flare birds. We don't have a problem. Uh, I, I won't say it, but the last two years that we've gone out and done what we, we, we went out with a large group of people and we did exactly what we needed to do. I won't jinx ourselves for years in the future, but, um, and we're using the brightest color rigs that we've got the bright green, the bright orange, the bright yellow, Blue's not terribly bright. Um, I don't think red's very bright either. Uh, but we're using the brightest stuff that we can just to dispel that rumor. And I don't, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm with I, you, buddy. I really don't. I really yeah. can't see it being. If a, if a duck is close enough to see <laughs> the tiny, like the one inch that the rig is is showing from above, like that, that bird is too close. Yeah, it, it should have been shot. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But the, the, the idea behind the colored rigging, there's lots of different reasons to do it. First, it's just to be different, just to be cool. Like if a guy wants to represent like his school colors or his favorite team or whatever, he can do that. If you want to put different species on different colors, different lengths on different colors, uh, different weights on different colors, um, you know, a guy might have some three ounce rigs that are a certain length and then some 10 ounce rigs on that same length. Um, if, if he's got a big setup, if we're talking guides or outfitters or clubs or people are just serious about it, they've got huge collections of stuff. They want to be able to go and grab stuff off the, off the hook and immediately know that they're doing right. So, um, that's the reason behind the colors. I think a lot of our outfitters, uh, as of late have started to pick up on the color thing. It just keeps them organized. I was talking mm-hmm. to a guy earlier today who runs an outfit. Uh, he runs some teal hunts in Texas, but they're based in Stuttgart, Arkansas. And, uh, looks like he's going to order between a hundred and 150 dozen decoys. Um, they run 10 guides at a time. They have 16 guides total on staff. Every one of those guys has their own boat or their own Can-Am. They've all got kind of their own shed that like that guide is responsible for his setup. And he said by the end of the year, like everybody's stuff is just completely jumbled. And it's like, no, those are mine and that's yours and that's his and it's a mess. And so he, you know, he actually talked to me. He was like, when I saw the colored rigging, I knew exactly what I was going to use that for. Like all my guys are getting different colors. So um, pretty cool to see. And that's yeah. where more and more of my friends that are picking up on, on these lifetimes and start. And then when we hunt, you know, I'll bring my couple dozen, he'll bring his couple dozen, then we'll have it all there. That's yeah. where, if you guys had like a pink rig, I would be the one I'd have the pink rig. And then nobody's taking that home. That's mine. Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? We're, we're not yeah, looking at the you. decoy like, Oh, is this yours or mine? Well, I brought, yeah. you know, it, 
perfect. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yep. So we've got six colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and brown. So that's another, that's another deal. Like I've got a big group of guys that hunt public in Arkansas and they run like a big crew. Like there's mm -hmm. 15 or 20 guys in a hole at one time. Um, and Jeez. everybody runs lifetimes and, uh, you've got a guy that runs all his mallards are green and all his mallards are orange. All his mallards are blue. Like, and it's just, it's easy pickup at the end of the day. Big time. Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. Um, we should, you know, because we, uh, I'm not sure if you noticed JJ, but we do have millions and millions of fans <laughs> that listen every week to this yeah. show. <laughs> um, to the 10 people that reached out and said that they listened <laughs> to the whole episode. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, um, no, but we really should um, mention Dave that our good friend, Pat Heinrichs and Ryan, down at uh, Canadian Waterfowl Supplies um, here in Ontario. Like they are a big supplier for you guys, right, JJ? And, yep. and anybody- They're definitely our biggest in Canada, for sure. Yeah. So, so, so anybody that's- That's where that's I get online. Yeah. So anybody that's listening, um, please go head up Canadian Waterfowl Supplies. If you're curious or if you're in the area and you want to get your hands on it and, and see it and, and up close and personal, we you can, right? All you got to yep. do is drive, drive down and talk to Pat and Ryan and they'll, they'll look after you um, and let them know that, you know, we sent you and, and that you listen to it on, on with JJ talking here. So um, it would be silly for us not to do a plug for the boys down there. Yeah, absolutely. No. And, and that really is the key. Like people can hear us talk about it. They can watch the video, whatever, but until you really get into a store and lay your hands on them, I don't think mm -hmm. a guy can really understand it unless he's going to go into his closet and pick up his pair of Crocs and then compare that to a decoy he's got out in the garage. That's the closest comparison he's going to get. And so getting a guy out to a retailer to touch and feel the product, to mess with them, to pick them up in a bundle of a dozen and realize like, holy crap, like this would completely change the game for me. Um, that's the deal. Like retail is always going to be so important for our brand. And, and hopefully with, I hate to bring up COVID, but hopefully now that restrictions are starting to lift and people are going to be able to get into these stores again and, and yep. start actually like handling product, hopefully yep. it takes off a bit more for you. If you know, if, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're really excited. We actually just shipped a bunch of stuff to Pat that just because of COVID, like we weren't able to get stuff to him for whatever reason here or there. So He's stocked up at the moment for a few things. And he was telling me, interestingly enough, like a lot of a lot of our retailers down here in the States, it's really seasonal. But he said that folks in Canada, like they're buying duck stuff all year round, which yeah. I think is interesting. I think that's amazing. That's awesome. But uh, I was really interested to hear that. He was like, no, I'll I'll take product year round. Like you yeah. keep sending it. Whatever you can send me, like send it to me and I'll sell it. How, how have the goose decoys been doing? Like it so was kind that of was, that was just, uh, it was so disheartening um, because of COVID and getting stuff off the boats and all of this. Uh, we had sold so many to retail before, you know, the season had come. Uh, we had retailers all over the country, all of our guys in Canada, everybody was really excited about the, the goose floater. Um, and what ended up, showing up versus what was promised versus what we had projected all of these things just didn't didn't end up working out and so the first folks that we took care of were the guys that had pre-ordered on our website they had paid for it we had money in our pocket from those guys so everybody had to get their decoys then we had to take care of our guides and outfitters who had sold all of their other decoys and that's what ends up happening is a guy he might he's gonna like his ducks he might buy a dozen or two or whatever and then he realizes how good they are and how they change his, his game. So we had, I think we increased our outfitter business this year, 264%. So we had a ton of outfitters this year sell their complete spreads. And so we had to get them goose decoys. Otherwise they wouldn't have been able to operate their business. And then by the time that was over, it was pretty miraculous. Like we literally had like 10 or 15 boxes left over. And so I needed some, some decoys to use for content to send to photographers and videographers and for me to hunt with, you know, over the years and so, or over the season. So no retailers 
none of them got goose floaters this year, which was such a bummer because, uh, you know, when you look at the goose floater, the Canada compared to everything else on the market, the lightest goose floater on the market is 43 and a half pounds a dozen, 43.6 pounds a dozen. Um, our decoy comes in at like 19.6 pounds a dozen. So less than half of the next closest competitor, like literally less than half of the next closest competitor. So like 24 um, pounds different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely bonkers. You can literally bring, you know, you can you can double, if not triple, the number of floaters that you can bring with you, um, you know, on your hunt, just because, just by running lifetimes versus something else. And by all means, they're expensive, and we're going to hear that, and we're always going to hear that. But I think, you know, there have been brands before us that have come and proved if you build a product that solves a problem that's going to last a lifetime, which ours does, it's in the name. Um, and it does something better than, than any other thing before it. Like you can charge that. Um, the other thing is too, our stuff is really expensive to make. Like a lot of people might look at our, our numbers and say, oh, they're margin. Like they're just, they're gouging us, but it's expensive to ship. It was ungodly expensive to ship during COVID, you know, container prices went from four to five grand to 24 to 25 grand. I think our most expensive container was like $28,000, just obscene. And when you think about what we're shipping, especially with a Canada decoy, like we're shipping boxes of air ostensibly. Like it's just huge boxes and we can only put, you know, four pieces in every one of those boxes. So um, it's, just, I've learned a ton just, you know, since I graduated about business and recognizing like, just because it makes sense or people might want it doesn't even make sense for the, for the company to sell it. Um, which is hard. Like our Canada decoy, we, our margin is just not where we would like it to be, but, um, it's a problem that our consumer has and has been begging us to solve for a long time. So, uh, it was just, it was worth it for us. And, and you touched on something there that Every time I post a picture that of my hunting rig and showing, you know, here's my kayak, my new canoe with my, my lifetime, or I post the picture of my lifetimes and how they're moving, I'll get three or four, three or four out of five comments are those things are too damn expensive. And why would you even, how can you afford that? And you know what? I'm buying this decoy. It's going to last for my kids. And that's, you know, we talk about real geese decoys. Um, they're, they support our show here. And I choose that because for the field, those things are going to last me forever. It's not mm -hmm. like the other type that won't. So sure. I'm paying a little bit extra for a lot more use, you know? And yep. a, a thing that I always say, especially with my career and stuff is, you know what, uh, taking this training program, it's a short-term pain, but it's a long-term gain. For and sure. if you, if you put a little bit of money into it right now, then that thing is going to last you and your kids will be able to use it too. So, you know what, it, you're kind of hitting a market where you're also hurting yourself because every single decoy that you sell is another person that doesn't have to buy that one decoy. That's going to last. That's the funniest thing. It's like, you know, there, there's a few guys I'm sure that own multiple sizes of a Yeti cooler. But for me, I bought a Yeti 65 in like, I don't know, 20, 10 I was in high school and I had, have not bought a Yeti 65 since and I'm probably not going to buy one because I've already got it um and similar to like some you know a lot of my Sitka stuff like I bought my Sitka stuff a long time ago and it works and if something goes wrong with it they're going to make it right they're going to fix it but those are really those are you know few and far between situations um, but like, I think those two companies specifically were kind of on the forefront of like helping set the precedent for outdoor brands and other apparel brands and, you know, guns and whatever else. Like if you, if you buy once you cry once. So. Exactly. Yep. So. Um, JJ, I've got to ask this question now because it just popped to me. Well, are you guys is lifetime planning on being at the Easton sportsman show in maryland in november of next year of this year and so the reason I, why i'm asking 
is because yeah. I'm heading down to hunt with Jeff Coates. And Are you would really? Be, yeah. So okay. um, we're heading down in, in November. I'm going to, I really want to see the, the Easton Sportsman Show. We don't have that up in, up in Canada. Have you ever been? That. No, never been. Okay. So um, I want to go down. Uh, I'm going to go down and hang out with Jeff, one of the boys from the show. He's going to come. Dave is, I'm trying to get Dave to come, but he's too important at his job and he can't. Oh. Damien, Damien thinks that if he gets you guys going, I'll be going too. And that's what he's doing right now. <laughs> this is, th uh, that's a dick move, Damien. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, and, I went, I was in Easton. I was in Easton three years ago, two years ago, what, before COVID, whatever that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I haven't been back since. I think they did a little something last year. Um, yeah. But I just, it was all those shows and everything. It was too speculative to try to plan out a season. Right. And we had so much content to shoot. So I didn't, I didn't make it out there, but especially now having a diver and having Jeff involved, like he is, um, I, I do see a world where I might find myself in Easton, in which case Dave, uh -huh, you should, Dave. You should make the trek and we can take yeah. Jeff's boat out. Like, yeah. Got plenty of room on the boat. Oh Yeah. So yeah, so the world myself, boat, I think it is. That's right. That's so we're planning, November, brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're we're going down. Um, we're me and Merck are, are making a week out of it. We're gonna do do the decoy museum, do Easton, go hunt with Jeff for a couple days, um, yep. spend some time in the local area. I grew up on the Atlantic Ocean, so I I really miss the, the salt water. So um okay. it's gonna it's gonna be it's going to be a, it's going to be a time, as I say. So okay. it'd be awesome if, if lifetime is there. Yeah, absolutely. Be, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to look up the dates and try to make some plans. Um, yeah. Cause I was there two or three years ago, whatever it was, and we were just working the whole time. So I didn't even end up getting to, I didn't even end up getting to go hunt, which was such a miss. Like now that yeah. I look back on it and I just, I'd love to have a little bit more education on the diver stuff. Like you can watch YouTube videos all day, but like until you've done it and felt it and seen it, you can't really get it. So I probably, probably ought to scoot up there and do that. We might, yes. we might make a plan. There you go. There you go. Um, boys, we're well over an hour. Um, and I know, <laughs> I quick. know. We, yeah, it did go quick. It was awesome. Um, I had so could, much more to talk about. Well, JJ's gonna have to come no, back. You can, on hit again. you can hit us. No, we're good. I, I'm I'm telling you, y'all y'all made some adjustment for me all as well. Like whatever whatever we need to do. I'll keep. Hey. No, so the the issue is JJ that um, with our podcast audience, if we go over like the one hour one yeah. hour ten mark is kind of the max where yeah. we start losing the customer base. They say, all right, we're sick so, of it. Yeah, we can yeah. Do a part shut up, Dave. Sometime. We can do. I think that. we should do a part two. Like this, is, I think so. It's been a good time. It's been a good time so yeah it has been great um so everybody um as as you know we're we only talk about the brands that we love and and the ones that we've actually used um dave um just like brendan veerman and all the lads that are here in ontario that are currently rocking um lifetime decoys it's because we've used it dave has used it he loves the brand and he's promoting it um Pat Hendricks down at Canadian Waterfowl Supplies. He's he's the dude. And listen, we are in Canada where everything is more expensive. Listen, yep. if you need decoys, why not buy the lighter ones? It's going to save you on shipping. Like yeah. that's just a no brainer. It just yeah. makes sense to me. So yeah. order lifetime decoys. You'll save money on the shipping because you don't have the weight. Um, listen, this this is who we are, um, Dave. Any final words, buddy? We'll let we'll let JJ end it. But uh, yeah, JJ, Dave, I I get made fun of all the time for being busy, and I'm finally glad to see someone that's busier than me. So I don't know about I don't know about busier than you. I, I'm sure I didn't manage the the deal perfectly, but we got a lot of we got a lot of stuff going right now, and we're yeah. super small. I mean, I won't I won't divulge how small we are because we like to be perceived bigger than we are, but. I wear a lot of hats. Everybody that works with us wears a ton of hats. So uh, I appreciate it. Um, I, I don't brag about how small I am either. So, yeah. well, uh, <laughs> but no, thanks a lot for coming on and hopefully we can get you on again and hopefully we can get you up to Canada for a hunt because yeah, that would be, I would love that. Be, That'd be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. JJ, any final words, buddy? I don't think so. I, I just appreciate you having me on. 
tolerating me, listen to, listening to me drone on uh, and for being big fans of the product, seriously, like that's, that's what gets me fired up working for Lifetime is I know that definitively we're doing something different that nobody else has done before and we're solving people's problems. And so for you giving us a platform like this and, and being willing to talk about it outside of the podcast, like to your hunting buddies, to, you know, the guys that matter, our, our real consumer means a lot. So thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate it. This has kind of been self-serving because so many people ask questions about lifetimes. And I was like, you know what, if we do a podcast episode, I can just respond with, Oh, just watch this. It's only an hour. Here's the link. That's right. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate you. No, thank you. Everybody. This was episode 86 of the union 0430. As, as we always say, surround yourself with good people. Good things will happen. And listen, we are as advertised. We're not experts. We don't pretend to be professionals. We're just a bunch of friends that love one another's company. And we love talking about shooting birds. So JJ lifetime decoys, Thank you so much for coming on and, and taking some time out of your day to hang out with us. Um, buy lifetime decoys. You won't be disappointed. I'm, I'm ordering tonight. So um, big love, everybody. Um, let us know if you got any questions. We'll fire them right off to JJ as soon as we get them. Big love. Love it.